0: Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, we come to verses 14 through 17, and we're going to look at three I am statements that are made specifically now by the Apostle Paul. In John, Jesus makes several different I am statements, and really throughout the Gospels I am the way, I am the vine, I am the bread of life. Well, here we see three statements by Paul that are these I am statements, and all of them are specifically geared around the Gospel. Let's begin reading in verse 14. I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Now, that word barbarians is not a word like we would use to think of someone who is of a rough background, uh, someone who is uh, churlish, uh, uneducated, someone who is violent, perhaps, in nature. The word barbarian here would really mean someone who is kind of a foreigner an immigrant, someone who had come to the area or who Paul crossed paths with that would not be someone who would be of a typical Greek-educated background or of a Jewish background. So he says, look, I am a debtor. And he recognized his debt both to the Greeks and to the barbarian, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, here we go again, I am ready To preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. If I can be in debt to the Gentiles, if I can be in debt to those foreigners, those barbarians, I am in debt to you at Rome as well, and I am ready to preach the gospel. And then verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The power of that last phrase brought about the Reformation in Christian circles going back now 500 years. The just shall live by faith. In the value of the gospel and its association with simple faith. Going back into verse 13, let's start there and let's work our way through these verses. Paul says, first of all, I am a debtor. He recognized a debt that he had. Isn't it hard to recognize your daily debt to humanity? We instantly, because of the pride of our heart, begin to put in our lives what people owe us. It starts as a small child, and we continue going up. The attention needed as a child breathes this into us at some level. And if it's not careful parenting, that child continues to grow and grow and grow, and it's me, me, me. And when you meet the adult that's me, 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 oh my. I'm a debtor, Paul says. Now going back to the very beginning of the chapter, Paul said, look, I'm a servant. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I don't have any rights. I've surrendered my will. But going beyond the fact that I have surrendered my will, he now says, I owe. I owe this. This is not something now that is, okay, I can do this. This is something I'm obligated to. He says, I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians. The idea there is that everyone needs the gospel. Everyone needs the gospel. Isn't it interesting how we begin to put in our minds who does and who does not need the gospel? And then you go, oh, no, Pastor, I I recognize that everyone needs it. I I know that that's true, but aren't there certain classes of people that you go, yeah, but I'm not going to waste my time trying to give the gospel to them. Now, think for just a second outside of the normal answer to that question. How many of you have ever said, you know what, I want to go to the professors at a state college and give them the gospel? Well, don't they need it? But because of their choice of field in life, because of their academic background, and many times because of their outward rejection of the existence of God, we look at a very educated class And we go, well, they don't need the gospel because they're not going to listen anyway. Go a little bit further. Go to a religious group that is steeped in their religion. If you were to go into a predominant Muslim country and you were to go in and the attire was specific to their lifestyle, to their religious beliefs, and you go into that culture, you would say, look, I recognize they need the gospel But I don't know that I'm going to be the one to give it to them because they're not going to listen anyway. That's where Paul was different. Paul said, look, I'm a debtor. It's not just, hey, I know that they need it. I know that they need it. I know that everyone needs it. It's my obligation to get that gospel to them. It's my responsibility So when Paul's in prison, there's a young man in prison with him. His name's Onesimus. And and, and he begins to talk to Paul, and Paul speaks to him, and he's a thief. He's stolen, and he's stolen from a friend of Paul's. But Paul recognizes here this young man needs the gospel. And Paul gives the gospel to Onesimus. He returns back home. He goes back. He brings a letter from Paul to Philemon. And Philemon now treats him as Paul because Paul recognized that he needs the gospel. Paul was never naive to this. He never shied away from this. He would talk to the lowly man in prison, Onesimus, but when he stood before King Agrippa, he declared to him, I wish not almost, but altogether thou wert persuaded. King Agrippa, you know that Jesus was the Christ. You need to accept him. And in the boldness of that moment, he doesn't shy away because everyone needs the gospel. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians. I recognize the need. I want to help. We have to understand that each one that has accepted the grace of God in salvation has a debt to all mankind. You and I, as we sit here tonight, we have a debt we have to pay. We owe that debt. Now, let me read you this statement. A pastor said this much better than I could have. Our conservative lifestyle has been so politicized in America that we slip easily into the feeling disdain, the feeling of disdain rather than debt to unbelieving people. So true. (laughs) I'm so guilty, aren't you? I I mean, you see some of these people who get on the news and they politicize and they push their agenda that is so anti-God, it is so rejecting of Scripture, it's so disrespectful to who God is that for me, I look at them and disdain comes much more quickly to my heart than debt. I don't look at that person and go, I owe that person to get them the gospel. It's my responsibility to try and get it to them. This is a debt I've got to pay. For you and I, we come in contact with people and we don't feel the debt. Depending on your background, depending on your parents and the way you were raised, when you owe somebody something, that's a problem. It it is for me. I don't ever like to say to anyone, I will do that for you. I will always say, if you will remind me, I will gladly do that. Because if I forget, I don't want to feel obligated to it. But every now and then, I will make the mistake of saying, okay, I'll do that. And man, when that time comes, it's not an option. And there are times, I don't want to do it. But it is now a debt because I said that I would. And because of my upbringing, I feel like my dad will shoot me if I don't. And and so he'll never know, but I still feel like I have to. And there is a debt that weighs on me, and I've got to take care of that. I don't ever like to borrow someone's car because I don't want to have to bring it back perfect. And if I ever borrow someone's car, you know what I have to do before I bring it back? Come on, somebody help me out here. What do you have to do? I have done that too. I have washed their car before I brought it back. you got to fill it up with gas. Because you don't borrow somebody's car and not bring it back. You go, really? That's my dad, man. You never borrow somebody's vehicle. So it's like, before I borrow your car, I want to see if it's full yet or not. Because it's going to be full when I bring it back, one way or the other. Because it's a debt that is in me I owe. And I can be so concerned about making sure I bring your car back with gas. And there's a neighbor right next to me that, let's be honest, the way we live today, we've got fenced backyards and nobody plays out in the street anymore. And, and it, it, I don't see them, apart from driving in maybe, I may wave as I pull into my garage and close the door. It is my debt. I owe that neighbor the gospel when I walk up to a cash register and that person is standing there who I may have a 30-second interaction with, I owe that person the gospel. So Paul said, this is not something that is an option for me. This is a debt for me, and I have to pay my debt. Now, many people have made it harder for us to pay that debt because they paid that debt the way they thought it should be paid instead of the way the person wanted the debt paid. But for you and I, and what Paul understood, was I've accepted Jesus Christ, and because of that I now have a debt to anyone who has not accepted Christ because I know the truth. I must make sure you know the truth. And I want to do it in such a way that it's effective. I'm a debtor. But then Paul also said to go along with that there in verse 15, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. I have this debt, and this debt is something that I owe, but I am ready to pay the debt. Are you ready to pay the debt? Look, Are you ready at a moment's notice to tell someone how they can get to heaven? Or would you be scared to try and do that? Do you know how to take someone from where they are at, not knowing Jesus Christ, to knowing Jesus Christ and on their way to heaven? Paul said, look, I'm ready. I, I'm ready to give the gospel at any moment. So I have given it to Greeks, I have given it to barbarians in Rome, I would have given it to you too. And so he said, I owe you this and I am ready to do that. I love going on missions trips. And one of the things that's such a little phenomenon of going on missions trips is you go on a missions trip and you go up to people who may or may not speak your language, who certainly are of a different culture than you. Many times they look completely different than you. And you go up to them and you gladly give them the gospel. Why? Because I'm getting on a plane and leaving. And there's no inhibition about it because you're leaving. And at that moment, because of that circumstance and that situation, you're you're ready and willing. It's why you're there. And you just give the gospel. It's no hesitation. But yet here we're not ready to. There's nothing in us that is prepared to. We may know the facts. We may know the verses. But we don't have a heart that's ready to truly give the gospel. No matter where he went or the circumstances surrounding him. Paul was ready to preach the gospel. When he went to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was the religious center of the world at that time, especially among Jews. When he goes to Jerusalem, he preaches the gospel. They mobbed him and ran him out. When he goes to Athens, Athens would have been the intellectual city, uh, center of the world at that point. When he goes into Athens in the intellect, it's much learning has made you mad. They mocked him. When he ends up at Rome, the legislative center of the world, he goes in to give the gospel, and he's martyred because of it. Everywhere he went, it did not matter. He said, I am ready. I will give the gospel regardless of who you are, where you are, what your thinking is, because I owe this to you, and I want to take care of that debt. The urgency of I'm a debtor plus the preparation of I am ready. In that I am ready is so much more than just a factual knowledge. It's a walking in the Spirit of God so that when He stands before kings, Holy Spirit, lead my mouth, guide my words, and allow me to say what you would have me to say. He says, I'm ready. I am so walking with the Lord that I know He will guide me. Too often, our walk with the Lord is so separated that when the moment comes, we're not ready. I hope that on your little list of things you're praying for this year, I hope one of the things that you're praying for this year is that you could lead someone to Christ. I I would love for every person in our church to have the privilege of doing that this year. I remember sitting with a man who said, I have never in my life, he he was retirement age, he said, I've been a Christian for years and years, I've never led anyone to Christ. And I'm going, man, you need to do that. This, This should become an urgent prayer request for you. But if you're praying for it and you're not ready to do it you may very well miss the opportunity that god puts right in front of you he said look i i'm a debtor i owe this but i'm also ready i'm looking for the opportunity i have prepared my heart with god i am walking with him i know what i need to know so that god can call it to remembrance if you're here and you're saying i don't have any idea how i would ever lead someone to christ There is a simple booklet that I can give you that will help you with the gospel. It is so clear. It will help you in your understanding, and it will help you then in turn to help bring someone to Christ. Be ready. And then we come to verse 16, one of the best known verses in all of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul's belief in the gospel gave him complete confidence. He said, Look, I am not ashamed. Because the gospel gives me complete confidence. Have you ever paused to think, what is it that causes you shame? What are some of the things that brings shame into your life? Have you ever said that you could do something and then you couldn't do it? You know, when you're a young person and you're like, oh man, I'll play you in basketball. I know I can beat you. And then you get out there and you get trashed, you know, and the the guy beats you. All of a sudden you're kind of embarrassed because you said you could do something that you couldn't really do. That kind of happens to most guys when they start dating. You know, they they start bragging about what they can do, and then they find out they can't actually do it. Sometimes we're embarrassed when something that you have done or something that someone you know or love has done was wrong. Um, Bernie Madoff, who most of you would know, he goes through and he creates this huge Ponzi scheme and he steals millions and millions of dollars from all kinds of people. And he ends up in a recreational facility in Butner, North Carolina. And, and as a result of that, his son is so ashamed of what has happened that his son takes his own life. Sometimes we're ashamed because we've done something or because someone we love has done something. When it comes to the gospel, sometimes we're ashamed of the gospel, not because of the gospel, but because of us, because of the way we've lived, because of our testimony with that individual. Sometimes you're just simply ashamed because it's kind of the wrong, it's inappropriate for the occasion. You're getting ready to go to some type of an event, and then the question will always come, well, what am I supposed to wear to that event? and to know at what level you are supposed to dress to, because you don't want to get to that event and be inappropriate in your appearance. And if you are, sometimes that can be a little bit embarrassing to you. And then there's ashamed because you just simply failed. It, you know, you just publicly, you did something wrong that was an embarrassment to you. You tripped in front of people, or you misspoke, or, or, or something like that. Those things happen. Paul says, when it comes to the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel will never say it can do anything that it cannot do. Whatever the gospel declares it can do, it can back it up. It It doesn't make declarations that it's insufficient. The gospel doesn't say, look, I can save your soul from eternity and then fall short of that. The gospel does exactly what it says it does. The gospel is not ashamed because it's not as if it ever does something wrong or the one who provided it ever did anything wrong. The gospel is based in Jesus Christ, in his death, his blood, and his resurrection. So when it comes to the gospel, the power of the gospel, and what the gospel has done, it is so sufficient. There is nothing to be embarrassed about in the gospel. The gospel never makes a promise it can't keep. The gospel never, at any time, in any situation, is not powerful enough. It never has any embarrassment. The gospel is never inappropriate. Now, there are certainly people that in their presentation of the gospel have been inappropriate. But the gospel is never inappropriate. When is it wrong to look at someone and say, For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son. Got a friend who's an evangelist. He his line he does when he walks up to somebody. He's an older guy. I'll look at him and say, "Hey, thanks for doing business with me. I got to tell you, God told me to tell you something. He loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you." And he'll turn around and walk off. That's just the way he is. He, he, he's a tough little fellow. But when is it ever wrong to tell somebody that God loves them? I said I can't be ashamed of the gospel. There's never an occasion in which it's wrong. And the gospel never fails. There's never a time in which the gospel will fail you. And so Paul says, look, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I have complete confidence in the gospel. He had confidence in the supremacy of the gospel. We recognize that the gospel saves us for eternity. But the supremacy of the gospel is that it can take care of all of life's problems. If I have sickness, if I have disease, if I am at death's door, when I die, the gospel took care of that problem. If I am going through life and I am struggling with sin, struggling with addiction, there is victory to be found in the gospel. There is nothing in which the gospel is not completely capable. So Paul says, look, I'm not ashamed because the gospel is supreme. It is all sufficient. It is the power of God unto salvation. It starts with the Jews. They were the first ones to have the message. It has moved to the Gentiles. There is no one that is not capable of saving. It doesn't matter the sin of your past. It doesn't matter the sins of your future. It doesn't matter how little you know, how long you have left to live. It is completely supreme. It takes care of all of it. Paul said, I got confidence in the supremacy of the gospel. He said, I have confidence in the sufficiency of the gospel. It is sufficient to help take care of your eternity, yes, but it is sufficient to take care of your life. Come back to the passage. "...for it is the power of God unto salvation, unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith. It is through nothing you have to do. It is through your faith it is sufficient and to faith. All that I can possibly need, the gospel is able to satisfy. The joy that I seek in life, it is available in the gospel. The peace that I need in this world, it is available in the gospel." The love that I crave is available in the gospel. Everything I need, every longing of my heart is an indicator of what I need in God, and the gospel bridges the gap between me and God and provides that. It is all sufficient. It is supremely powerful. It is all sufficient. And then Paul had confidence in the simplicity of the gospel. It is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith the gospel is simple i struggle with this so much as a pastor i I, I struggle with this so much as a christian why do we complicate the gospel why do we try to make it so hard why do we keep adding these layers onto the gospel It irritates me to no end. You get on YouTube and there's every new guy out there and they're just adding these layers onto the gospel. And they get a following so now everybody thinks that they're right. They're persuasive, they're convincing. They take a verse out of context, they apply it to a certain situation, and now here it is, the gospel just getting complicated, getting complicated. And you got to start peeling back all of these layers to get to salvation. You never, you never see Paul ever try to add anything to faith. You never see him try to complicate the gospel. In fact, Paul does the exact opposite. At every turn, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Don't, don't you add that to the gospel. No, 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 no. If anybody says anything other than what we've already preached, you take that away. No, 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 no. You, no. Get rid of that. Don't add that to it. The gospel is simple. It is Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if anybody tries to add anything else to it, let them be accursed. And yet today, 2,000 years later, with the extreme amount of information at our fingertips, we just keep adding to it. We keep piling it up. We keep putting these things on top of the gospel, and it falls into good Christian churches. I remember when a, a lady in my church came to me, and she goes, I just don't believe that anyone who drinks alcohol could ever be saved. It's Because her dad was an alcoholic. She goes, I just don't believe anyone could ever be saved and drink alcohol. No, no, you can't do that. You can't say that. Because you're adding to the gospel. Now, to be saved, I have to have faith and I have to not drink alcohol. You're adding to the gospel. Don't do it. No, put it aside. It has been the tendency of religion in every generation. Paul says, no, no, stop. I have confidence in the simplicity of the gospel. It is by faith the just shall live by faith you want to be saved it's by faith you want to live the gospel it's by faith you want to be a debtor and understand what it means to be a debtor it's by faith you want to be one who is ready to give the gospel it's by faith you want to not be ashamed it's by faith so we got to come back and we got to look at life and we got to say okay do do i really feel like i'm a debtor Most days I don't. Am I really ready? I know all the facts. I know all the verses. I know how to say it. But when I see that person and I have opportunity to seek them out with the gospel, am I really ready to do that? Or have I got too many other things to take care of? Am I truly not ashamed? Or when I go to hand that card out that says just invited, do I kind of think twice about it? Do I come up with an excuse while now's not the right time? Paul said, look, I have a debt to pay, and I'm ready to pay that debt. And the reason I am ready to pay that debt is because there is nothing about Jesus Christ for which I will be ashamed. If it is awkward, okay, I'm not ashamed. If it is embarrassing, okay, I'm not ashamed. If I am rebuked because of it by intellectuals, it's okay, I'm not ashamed. If I am mobbed by the religious, I am not ashamed. If I am martyred by the legal system, I'm not ashamed. Because the supremacy of the gospel is so great, the sufficiency is complete, and the simplicity is by faith, and I have done exactly that how is your confidence in the gospel?